0: Welcome to Fresh Fusion, a show where we discuss the business, the arts, the ethics of content creation on the open web. My name is Jared White, and this is episode 100 Rebuilding the Internet, with a very special guest who I'll introduce in just a moment. So we made it, folks. We're here. <laughs> it's the 100th episode. Woohoo! Woohoo! Ah. Very exciting. When I first started the show back in 2018, it was an experiment. (laughs) I had no idea if I'd enjoy it, if anyone else would enjoy it. Just some internet nerd talking to a microphone, sharing links about cool stuff on the web. But here we are. And while the topical focus has shifted a bit over the years and it's been on hiatus a time or two, uh, I feel like at this point I have a really clear idea of why we're here, what the show is all about, and as the tagline says, uh, talking about the business, art, and ethics of content creation, and that last point, ethics being top of mind for me these days, as we see so much change happening on the web and the power players involved, So, so it's great that we've made it here to the 100th episode, and I look forward to the next 100 episodes. Let's do this. But today, without further ado, let me bring on our special guest for the show, Maria Delano. She's the founder of Kalina Marketing at kalinamarketing.com, a marketing agency for B2B technical brands. Maria combines her background in academic writing and her obsessive love for research into helping clients with content marketing strategy, creation, and distribution. She's worked with clients in SaaS, cybersecurity, data analytics, DevOps, AI, e-commerce, Martech, and more. And Maria, while well, you live now in the US, you're originally from Ukraine, and I just want to say we here on the show stand with the people of Ukraine and their fight for freedom. And of course, you are now publishing an excellent newsletter I encourage everyone to sign up for, Attention Deficit Marketing Disorder Newsletter, which is a great name. So there you have it, folks. Maria, welcome to the show.
1: Hello, hello, and thank you for having me, Jared. I'm very happy to be here and very honored to be invited on the 100th episode. That is such an accomplishment. I don't know if I've ever done anything that consistent (laughs) for that long of a time, to be honest.
0: Oh, well, thank you. it's It's no small feat. It's a first for me, and I mean, I listen to shows where like, and this is episode four hundred ninety six and I'm just like how how do people do that?
1: I don't get it <laughs> i feel like I feel like it's a superpower that I don't have
0: it it is It is challenging to keep doing the same project, I guess you could say for that long as opposed to just starting new projects over and over again, which I feel like has happened many times. Uh, but anyway, I came across your work through Mastodon, uh, yeah. where you've been a prolific poster and talking a lot about this new world of social media we find ourselves in. And just so much has happened over the last year or so, the downfall of Twitter, the rise of the Fediverse, the launch of threads. Uh, and I i feel like, you know, a lot of folks in marketing may be... Uh, it's hard to keep up with everything that's going on. I mean, I'm an internet nerd looking at all this stuff all the time, and I can yeah. barely keep up. Uh, so, so I'm curious, how did you get into this space originally? And what made you end up caring about Mastodon and the Fediverse and and talk about all of these topics in, in this thoughtful and insightful way?
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a good question. I would say, honestly, the marketing part is the more accidental kind of how did that happen aspect of all of this, because caring about the internet and the shape that the internet takes is a lot more natural to me. I've always been a big internet nerd. Um, I was one of those people that didn't have that many friends growing up, especially around me, you know, in my town, then in my school. Even as we've moved, I didn't get along with people that well for a while. I would say I only learned how to make friends in real life, maybe in high school uh, at most. Uh, Until then I was pretty bad at it and one of the best ways I knew how to meet people and how to make friends was online. So I had tons of online friends, like my entire life, right, my childhood. I would sit on these forum boards, I would play a ton of MMORPGs and then end up talking (laughs) to people and connecting with them there, you know, I had my big chat windows. Uh, constantly live chatting with people, get on a few voice Skype calls here and there. I ended up building like friendships that lasted like, some of them, you know, multiple decades that were all online. Many of them just text, not even talking to people. Um, And that was just where I belonged. Like the internet was my place. I was always online. I liked being online. When I wasn't online, I had my head buried in a book and I kind of avoided the 3D world with everything I possibly could. (laughs) So the shape that the internet takes is, it's just been an interest in the background my entire life. I always paid attention to it. I was very obsessed with influencer culture and especially YouTube. I would say throughout my teenage years and like early 20s even, I wanted to be a YouTuber for a while because it seemed really cool. I always wanted to be like a content creator. (laughs) And then marketing kind of just happened. So I would honestly say that the way I've been talking about these things on Mastodon and the newsletter and all of that is more me marrying my current career to a longstanding passion and something that I've always valued.
0: That's pretty awesome that you were able to get into this place where you can work on what you love. I know mm-hmm. that's sort of the dream, right? That's the the content creator dream or the freelancer dream. Um, I somehow have managed that as well. <laughs> and so when people come ask me, like, well, how do I get into, you know, whatever, being yeah. a web developer or being yeah. a content creator or whatever, my answer is always, I have no idea because the the route it's taken me to get here. It's been so circuitous. and
1: Oh, same. It's it's never the shape you think, right? Because for me, I technically am now a content creator. You know, I have a newsletter. I started a podcast technically too. post on socials. I have videos I make. But none of that was how I expected. It was actually the moment I gave up <laughs> on the dream of being content creator that I was like, you know what, maybe I'll do this later. It's too difficult. I can't do it. I'm just going to go do marketing. The moment I did that, that was when everything actually started happening. Wow. <laughs> and it started working. So I don't know. Maybe my advice for people would be like, kind of let go and see what happens. It's kind of <laughs> like with dating Uh, The advice I always give to my single friends is, you know, stop looking. (laughs) Because that's usually when everybody pops up. It's the moment you decide I'm not looking anymore.
0: So that's the theme for the 100th episode of Fresh Fusion. Give up. Let go of your dreams.
1: (laughs) But not let go of your dreams, but more be flexible. Stop trying to force them is what I'd say. Right, right. Stop chasing them so deliberately and sort of trust that... If an opportunity pops up, you'll notice it, and when it does, take a chance actually do it. It might work out better than you think
0: so mastodon let's let's yeah. jump right into it. How did you hear about it? How did you go about trying it out? What did you first think like what is what is your experience yeah. in the <laughs> fediverse
1: It's funny because uh People have been asking me this a lot lately, and it's just like, I I just kind of ended up there. (laughs) I knew I didn't want to be on Twitter when Elon Musk took over. I knew that for sure. I was following the news very closely of whether he was actually going to go through with the purchase, because Twitter at the time was my main social network, both personally and professionally. I had two accounts. I posted. I also, you know, met people there. That was where I followed the news. That's where I found new things to check out. I was on there all the time, and I loved it. Um, but I didn't trust Musk. Um, Musk is somebody that I actually idolized when I was younger. Um, I had his biography, I knew like everything about him. I said I wanted to work at SpaceX and all of that. And then I learned more about how many of his ideas he was stealing and the unethical practices and all of the stuff he was doing. And, you know, very quickly realized that I didn't like this person. (laughs) Um, and by the time he was trying to buy Twitter, I really, really didn't want him to buy Twitter because I am Ukrainian, as you've mentioned in my introduction, And Musk at the time was kind of blackmailing Ukraine uh, in many ways. He was kind of blackmailing Ukraine with the Starlinks, which a lot of Ukrainians were using to get internet connection in war zones. And he was trying to get us to pay for them all of a sudden with money we didn't have.
0: That was just and, so bizarre because it was like, yeah. oh, here's all this free Internet, you know, yeah. woohoo! and then uh, just kidding. You got to pay for it. All right. And In none of us everything knew what to
1: think. Yeah. And then he started posting like pro Putin suggestions on Ukraine. I was like, yeah, I hate Hate this man. Okay, I, I I don't trust him with anything. Then I saw some cybersecurity people because um, we've worked with some cybersecurity clients, so I follow a lot of cybersecurity specialists. Uh, were saying that they were really worried about Twitter getting hacked when he would take over because he was planning to fire so many people. So the day he took over and the day it got announced that he fired a bunch of people, I'm like, you know what? Mm-mm, I'm out. So I just went and deleted my account. I didn't even like try that hard to announce I was leaving. I exported my archive, but that was kind of it. And so I left and I was looking for something new. Initially, I went on LinkedIn and I still post there because I'm a B2B marketer, which means LinkedIn is kind of the place to be, unfortunately, Uh, but I still wanted something for the soul, which Twitter was also for the soul as well as for the career and I was looking for something. And then I was at this webinar with some marketers I liked and they mentioned that they were trying out Mastodon and one of them put an invite code in the chat because this was the time when everybody was trying to join Mastodon and Mastodon.social had um, gated signups. You had to have an invite code. So I just signed up and that was kind of it. (laughs) I just checked it out, I don't know. And I just kept coming back to it. Initially it was very quiet, obviously. Nobody knew me. I didn't know most people. I kept seeing faces I was not familiar with because a lot of marketers did not come through. Like the ones that invited me, one of them is still very active on there, but a lot of the people I knew in my network weren't on there. They weren't interested. So it's like, okay, I'm going to try to find new people. I don't even know if this will be a professional account. I have no idea what this is going to turn into. I'm not taking it that seriously. I just see it as a way to see where the internet is going. Maybe find some cool new people to help follow. Maybe have some cool conversations, but like... I'm not doing a strategic marketing plan for any of this. And it just kind of happened. Yeah. What about you, by the way? how When did you join Mastodon? I, I, I wanted to ask about that as well, because it's interesting oh, to hear people's uh, stories.
0: Yeah, so I I have joined twice. <laughs> huh. uh, the first time was actually back in, I think, 2018. Huh. Uh, and this is the first kind of wave that um, a bunch of bunch of nerds on Twitter that Mm -hmm. I knew uh, tried it out for the first time because it's quaint to think back on it now, but... Like, back then, people were grumpy about Twitter, you know, not really playing well with its developer API and kind of jerking third-party clients around. And and mm. folks were getting annoyed by that, and a lot of folks didn't like Jack Dorsey anymore or whatever. So, so there was this initial wave to try out uh, Mastodon back then, uh, and it was much less polished and kind of user-friendly as it is now. And some might say it could get more user-friendly, but back then it was yeah. very much like hardcore, you know, Linux on the desktop sort of folks. And, you know, like very like rah-rah open source people, which, uh, you know, I'm kind of getting there. But uh, back then it was uh, more of a stretch. But anyway, I, I tried it out and I did uh, use it for a while and, and I liked it. Um, but Twitter actually started opening up its API more and kind of came out with a new version and third-party clients seemed more happy that they could get on all the latest features and uh, meanwhile a bunch of the folks I knew that tried out Mastodon like they all left it just seemed like so many of the people that I was excited to follow kind of dropped off and I ended up dropping off too Um, and now I kind of regret that but um, you know I always knew about it and I always kind of hoped, you know, maybe it could go somewhere. So I think pretty much on day one when I heard that, you know, Elon Musk was seriously, you know, submitting uh, his request to purchase Twitter, I'm like, nope, I am done. <laughs> if that happens, I'm out of there. So pretty much right then and there, I created my Mastodon account and I I still stayed on Twitter just to see what would happen. But once once the purchase was completed, once Musk was officially in charge, I I said, I'm out, here's my Mastodon link, bye-bye, and that was that, and I haven't used Twitter since. And now I've done the same thing with Reddit, although I was never that active on Reddit to begin with, but um, when all the crazy stuff started happening with, with Apollo and, and kind of the, the seeming meltdown there with Reddit, uh, I was out of there too, so... Uh, and I'd already left Facebook many years yeah. ago, so I feel like there's this trail of, like, large social media platforms I have left now, uh, which is interesting, I guess.
1: Oh, yeah. I've had a, I've also had a trail of social media platforms I've had to leave. Um, I'm not fully gone from Reddit just because I can't fully leave it professionally yet just because, like, I'm not posting or commenting or doing anything, but I still need to be able to view some stuff on there, discussions that they've had, uh, mostly for research, because actually Reddit was one of the main platforms that we used for research for our clients, because we do a lot of marketing for developer audiences and technical audiences, and most of these developer discussions were happening on Reddit. So Reddit was where we would go to see what people cared about, to see what questions they had, to see you know, what topics they were thinking about so we could tell our clients to make content about that and actually, you know, make things that people would care about, uh, which is kind of our whole thing. Uh, And I still haven't found a replacement, and it kind of sucks. Like, honestly, losing Reddit kind of stings more than losing Twitter in some ways. But It really is a bummer
0: uh, because for me it it was some of that, but it was also, like, some of the gaps that were there because i'm not on facebook we're getting Mm. filled by reddit in terms of like you know like i live here in portland oregon and there's a portland subreddit and so i could like feel part of the online community of portland there and the same was true for like different games i'm into some different tv shows like all these different sort of interest groups uh reddit was was you know filling that role yeah Uh, same but i just (laughs) i just can't stomach the The shenanigans anymore
1: no no I'm not I'm not on there like unless I really absolutely have to look at some stuff for work because I was there personally as well quite a lot I found a lot of games I liked I would look up tips and stuff I was on the USCIS subreddit a lot because uh, I'm an immigrant I was applying for a green card a few years ago and I honestly wouldn't have been able to do that without a lawyer if I didn't have that subreddit Because people there shared so much advice and answered so many questions. And they helped me so much with the process. And then I would also go on a lot of, like, the mental health, like, for certain diagnoses. Because I have a few psychiatric conditions. So I would go on the subreddits for that. And that was some of the best advice I could find anywhere. And it sucks to lose that. It really, really sucks having lost all of that. I, I hate that, you know, these rich people and these VCs can just decide one day to ruin... All of these communities, all of these connections, all of this knowledge that people built up just just because they can. I hate that.
0: Yeah. So turning back the clock just for a moment, uh, I, I feel like the the time of the Internet that was so exciting for me was when blogs were really coming into their own and there was this sense of community that uh, you know, like different bloggers were sharing links to each other yeah. and like almost writing comments, but they're full blog posts, you know. And, yeah. and you know, I got to do that. Other folks got to do that, uh, you know, comments on blogs, et cetera, et cetera. And it, it feels like that sort of sense of community and like finding people who are experts in different fields and being able to like follow them, that, that just kind of got like – like sucked out of the open web and ported onto these commercial social media properties. And we and we all just sort of accepted it and let that happen in a way because, you know, there were certain advantages to that. There were advantages of reach and of like ease of use and a lot more people could get into it because they didn't need to know how to set up a website or what a blog was, right? It was, it was this very easy ramp onto it. Yeah. And then it almost feels like bait and switch now, like like all the communities end up on, you know, Facebook, Twitter and Reddit. And then they all go sideways and it's like, wow, we could have maybe avoided some of this pain. (laughs) And that's kind of where we are now. So I really want to talk about, you know, like like where are we now? Where are things headed? Because you're writing all about this in your newsletter and particularly with with threads coming online, like. There's there are things about threads that I'm fascinated by. And then at the same time, I have this feeling of impending doom and dread because I just know how this stuff has gone before. So I, you're, I'm really curious to to see where you're at with all of that.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I have a lot of thoughts and also predictions, but, you know, predictions are often kind of they're fun to say, but I don't know how useful they really are because none of us know what's going to happen. What I can say, what I'm very confident about, is what I've noticed, and I started noticing this before Twitter got purchased actually, is that the bait and switch has been acknowledged by most internet users at this point, I would say. I feel like a lot more people are aware of what happened. A lot of people are aware that these social media platforms and these corporate websites are not what they promised to be and that they have a lot of problems, and that it's not kind of a be-all, end-all of the internet. It depends on the person, of course, what they're conscious of, or how they phrase it, or where they think the blame goes, but the sentiment I see just everywhere, in all kinds of communities, in all kinds of users, on every platform, you know, across levels of technical expertise, is that something's wrong. Like there's just this deep sense that something's off with the way we use the internet right now, like that everybody has. And I think that's a good thing. That's actually what gives me hope. And uh, that's why I have been writing saying that I think the internet that we've seen for the last 15 years is dead. Like it might be a zombie right now. It might still be struggling with its last breaths, but it's dead. Because this pipe dream that we all bought into when we all signed up for those Facebook accounts, for those Instagram accounts, you know, Twitter, Tumblr, whatever, it's gone. That dream's not there. People don't believe in that anymore. People know something's off. People have seen platforms collapse. People have seen their connections evaporate. People have had the experience of leaving. Others might have stayed, but they've seen their user experience get degraded more and more and more to the point that they can't find out what their friends are up to, right? Like even the people that only use Facebook and Instagram, they know. You talk to them. You're like, how's your feed, right? They will tell you. They're aware. I feel like... There's, we've just entered this stage of knowing that there's a problem that exists. In marketing, there are all of these models for like stages of a buyer's journey, right? And the first one you have to get to, like before there's like no awareness, nobody knows that they have a problem, they don't know that there are any solutions, they're just out there. Then stage two is problem aware, you know there's a problem, but you don't know what solutions might be out there. Then you start seeking solutions. And then at the end, the final stage is usually you're like evaluating them. And to apply that to the internet more generally and to get rid of the whole buying thing, but rather just action more generally, like signing up or using a platform, I'd say the internet as a whole is in the problem-aware stage. And I feel like we're starting to move towards the solution-seeking stage. And that is exciting because whenever people start looking for something different, that's the time to start exploring those alternatives. That's the time when... All of these possibilities start opening up for what if we didn't do things this way? What could be another way to do things? What could be another way for the internet to function? And I think we're
0: there. I do too. And, you know, just anecdotally, like there'll occasionally be rhetoric of like, oh, you know, the Fediverse is kind of running out of steam now and, you know, signups have gone down or this has happened or that has happened. But just anecdotally, like, I just feel like I'm seeing tons of activity of like, People joining, new introductions, new blogs coming online about cool stuff, finding artists like maybe maybe I just somehow know how to find the stuff. But like there's so much out there now. It just feels like this explosion of creativity, which I'm really excited about. Um, And then on top of that, beyond even Mastodon, the sort of like filling the role that Twitter might fill, um, you know, new platforms you know all connected together using the activity pub protocol so for example you know we talked about reddit but now you know we have kbin we have lemmy we have these software platforms that like i'm i'm seeing real activity there like i'm starting to join new communities you know people are shit posting about star trek memes (laughs) like (laughs) all this stuff right it's kind of funny like i I think there's this one community that was just like let's just resurrect like 15 year old memes and post it sort of ironically, and it was hilarious. Uh, but
1: oh, that's awesome! I love that. <laughs> yeah, like
0: you saw Dancing Baby and you know, I can has cheeseburger Aww. and all this funny stuff.
1: Oh my god, <laughs> oh, I love old memes, I love them so yeah. much.
0: <laughs> and I guess there's been some of that too on like Blue Sky and maybe Threads yeah. too. Like, but uh, I just so I guess the, the question I'm asking is, you know, like. Like you mentioned, stage one is acknowledging a problem, and I think we're we're kind of in the midst now of stage two of like, yeah. you know, can we sort of replicate a Twitter-like experience? Can we replicate a a, yeah. a a Reddit-like experience? Can we maybe replicate an Instagram-like experience? You know, something like Pixel Fed, which I'm also getting more into now as well. Yeah. Um. But but like, where is it going? Because I feel like the the sort of The sort of killer app, if you will, of ActivityPub and this idea that we have a more open network of platforms and services. Like, I'm not sure we've seen that yet. That, like, singular moment when everyone realizes, like, this is how we do it going forward. And Threads is maybe, weirdly... pointing in that direction I'm seeing you shake your head here so I'll I'll let you jump in here in a moment but uh, I do yeah. think like threads is pointing towards a direction that's interesting here because like so much of their marketing has been like we're going to participate in the fediverse and we're going to be able to let you follow Mastodon accounts from threads and you can follow people on threads from Mastodon and like they're pitching that to influencers and all this stuff and so that is fascinating to me but then at the same time, people are saying, like, why do they even need to do any of that? Because like they flip a switch and they get a hundred million signups from, you know, their Instagram graph. So like, why do they even need to do all that? And then further skepticism of like like does it even make sense for the Fediverse for them to do that? Because man, meta sucks. <laughs> so I know you have a lot of thoughts on Threads, so so take it yeah. away. I'm I'm very curious to... Yeah.
1: I have so many things I want to say. I'm trying to figure out what order to say them in. Okay, this is going to sound weird, but I will explain it. I don't care about what happens to Threads. I don't really care what happens to Mastodon, and I don't really care what happens to ActivityPub long-term. I like Mastodon. I like ActivityPub a lot. I don't care if they fail, honestly, because... I think the biggest difference here long-term and the biggest impact is not the protocol itself. It's not the app itself with any of these apps. It's the fact that people are learning that there are alternatives, that there are alternative ways of, you know, just existing in the web and of having these moments of connection in digital spaces. I think that's the most important legacy. And it's already there. We've had stories in the media and for months now about Twitter alternatives that mention Mastodon, that mention ActivityPub, that mentioned the Fediverse, we've had people talking about the open web again. We've had people actually seriously consider decentralized social media and, you know, open APIs and actually connecting social media to each other without them having been owned by the same corporation, right? The fact that Meta, this big, big, big social media giant that's kind of the original social media giant, right, with Facebook is even having to do that as a marketing tactic. The fact that even if they never introduced the feature, the fact that they put it there, the fact that they promoted it, the fact that it's in the onboarding, and the fact that there are conversations on my Threads feed that I see every single day about Mastodon, about ActivityPub, about decentralization, I think that's the biggest impact. And I don't care if everything blows up in two months from now. I'll be sad, obviously. I'll have to go find somewhere else to go if Mastodon blew up. But... I think the change is happening already just because so many more people are getting exposed to these ideas. Because honestly, I view myself as an example of somebody that a lot of people on in the Fediverse would have probably given up on, would have probably not considered as somebody that could have ever joined or cared. I mean, I'm not good at coding. Like, I've, I've t- taken CS classes here and there. Um, I've coded my websites back in the day on my blogs, but... You know, that's kind of it. I'm pretty, pretty bad with it. Trying to learn, but I kind of suck at it. I can't do things on my own with open source. I'm a marketer. So I represent the corporate interests in many ways for many people. I am a tech marketer. I've often really enjoyed the corporate social media platforms. Like you'd look at me a year ago and you'd think, no, like this person would never join Mastodon. She'd never bother. She would never become an advocate for it. But I did join. I didn't really know what I was getting into. I just wanted to keep up with some people. I didn't care about the Fediverse. I didn't know about the protocol. It all seemed complex and unnecessary. I just wanted to see cool posts. But just being there and seeing the energy and talking to people and listening and learning more, I started caring a lot. I started remembering what the internet was like when I was a kid. I started remembering how much I loved having all of these places and how much I loved having community-owned websites and social platforms and forums and all of that, I learned so much more about governance and models and how APIs can be used for things that are not, you know, finance or other things I had worked with before. And now I care a lot and I keep trying to learn more and I've taught other people about it and people are listening. You get a hundred Marias out there and you know that you're starting to make a difference, (laughs) right? You get a thousand Marias out there, you know, something's actually going to happen. It's a movement. I, I think the main benefit of everything happening right now is nothing to do with Twitter. And it might not necessarily be anything to do with any of the apps we're naming. They can all burn down. And I think five years from now, the internet will still look very different than it would have if Twitter didn't fall and all of these topics didn't take off. I firmly believe that.
0: That makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, and I th- I think I agree with you. It's just interesting because... I I also hear the opposite, right? Like I hear I hear folks saying, you know, or, you know making the claim that most people don't care about decentralization. Most people don't care about interoperability. They don't care about any of those things. So so the the idea that you would promote that as its own sort of like that like that's the feature. That's the killer app if you will that that we have the ability to be a decentralized network. Uh most people aren't going to care. And I get pulled in that direction and I think maybe they're right. And so, you know, it's going to remain this niche thing. Uh, but, then, but then I see other signs that makes me think, like, you could be very well right that, like, like we're seeing the beginning of this, this sort of awareness among the, the broader populace that, like, oh, it's not great to be <laughs> trapped in these, you know, in like five websites, Across the entire global internet, like that is not good, and we do need alternatives. And you know, for for some folks, like sure, they're not going to get into it unless you know they can just press a button on their phone, and something's really easy to use, and it makes sense to them, and so on and so forth. But if you if you can, let's assume this hypothetical near future where where all of the user experience problems are solved, you know, using. Metaverse sort of software is as easy as anything else, right? Like, like given that, yeah, a lot of people are going to like that, and I, I think that's that's where we're headed, right? And and you know, you're not predicting sort of the technical bones of how that plays out, but, but you know, once people get a taste of this, it's like, yeah, that that's that's what I want, and and I feel like that is what I hear so much of on Mastodon posts from folks saying like. Wow, this feels like the internet I fell in love with, <laughs> and not this yeah. hellscape of of you know Nazis in my mentions or something, and just like and the constant exactly. like and the central person thing that was going on on Twitter, and I, I yeah like I I feel like it got to the point where every day. There was like the one person everyone got obsessed with, you know, good or bad. And it's like main character of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And (gasps) I just I don't want that. I, I, you know, like, (sighs) sure, I want to be up on news or whatever. But like, if someone's being a jerk, like, I just want to block them and move on and and see somebody's cat. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. You no, know, I've seen it a lot too, and I'd say that's what happened with me. Like, that's why I started caring about ActivityPub and decentralization because Mastodon did remind me of how much I used to love the internet, and it reminded me of the joy of the internet. And I think I was one of those people that sort of just accepted over time that the good parts of the internet would only come if I had to accept the bad. Like, right? Because I would still make good connections on Twitter or TikTok or whatever. I would still have those moments of joy and discovery, but it would be after scrolling through a feed of horrible, horrible garbage and alt-right grifters and main character of the day and spam bots and crypto shills and all kinds of things. And it was kind of like, okay, well, I guess it's like, I have to find the diamond in the rough kind of thing. I have to deal with all the horrible garbage to get to the good stuff. And then you see a website like Mastodon, or you see any other Fediverse app, and you're like, wait, this is all the good stuff without the bad stuff. Huh. Why did I, like, accept that as a given? Why did I let them convince me that I needed to deal with all of that crap? Maybe that wasn't true, <laughs> right? And I think, again, that's the mindset shift. Because I see the negativity, and I've fallen into those spirals, too, that nobody is ever going to care. This is a niche thing. Nobody cares about the Fediverse. But... As a marketer, like, I professionally study behavior change, right? That's one of the things I do, right? Look at how do you influence people? How do people change their minds? Why do people like what they like? What do they do what they do? Why do they decide something's worth spending money on? All of that. And one of the things I've learned again and again and again is that so much behavior change is slow. It's incremental. It's not immediate. You change your mind and you start caring about something only once it's been something you've seen and thought about or encountered in one way or another over a long period of time, like over many, many occurrences, right? Like how did people who are in the open source community grow to care about it, right? The people that really, really care about ActivityPub now, the people that really care about the Fediverse, what I'm curious about is how did they start caring? It might have been years ago, but it was not immediate I don't think they came out of the womb with a computer and, you know, and a Linux (laughs) package started installing everything. Yeah, I only care about the open web. No, most of these people have stories of being hurt by something centralized. Most of them have stories of a bad workplace or losing a website they loved or something else happening, right? And you're going to keep getting more people like that. And what you need is in moments when people realize something's off with what they had been doing, You need them to see the message that there's an alternative, right? And that's what's happening right now. And even if everybody gives up on the Fediverse and gives up on the open protocol for a few years, it will be back. And I think the next wave would be stronger because enough people have had this priming almost that this is a thing, that that is possible, that it could be good.
0: I'm probably going to get this quote wrong, but it's something like... First, they ignore you, then they revolve you, and then they fight you, and then you win. (laughs) Something like that. Yeah, like one of those. That's
1: simplistic, obviously, and you don't always end up liking things you're exposed to, of course. But the Fediverse and just the open source social media and open web movement is coming from values that most people share, right? Of having good user experience, of being able to connect with people, of not having to lose all of your work and all of the connections that you've built up, right, of being able to find the things you care about. That is something most internet users do agree with, I would say. They might not agree on the shape it takes. They might be scared of the technical know-how it might require to understand certain alternatives, but that won't always be the case.
0: I think the important thing here, especially for creators, and I'll, I'll kind of end on this note, uh, is you know the importance of having choice in you know, how you distribute, how you publish, because like, you know, for a long time, we've had sort of this spectrum of you could be completely indie, do everything yourself, you know, be this sort of independent creator, all the way to like, you know, signing deals with, you know, publishers, distributors, or whatever. But even in that, even on that side of things, like you had choice, right? Like if you if you publish a book with a publishing house, and you know, you're not in some crazy contract or whatever. Like if you don't like that, you can find a different publisher another time around and, and you have that choice. And we we just haven't had the choice. You know, if if you become a YouTuber, like, like the thing you're doing is literally the name of the company. <laughs> and if you end up not liking YouTube, what do you do? Right. And that's still kind of the boat we're in like video. I feel like it's still kind of firmly in that YouTube, maybe TikTok world. But anyway, the, the point I'm trying to make is...
1: I have a story about that, actually, oh. uh, that would fit in with what we're talking Go about. Go for it. Because, because I've been obsessed with YouTube for a very long time and because I wanted to be a YouTuber, I'm like really in the know on what's going on there usually. And there has been a fascinating movement with some YouTubers that I think a lot of people in the Fediverse are not aware of and I want them to be aware of it and I've been thinking about how to like start talking about it in a way that people will listen. So this is my first attempt. There's a company called Nebula and it's basically a company that was started by a bunch of YouTubers together who were mad at how YouTube controlled everything they were doing and they wanted to see... If they could make an alternative place that was more fair to creators, where they could upload videos that wouldn't get demonetized or struck by copyright as much, you know, because it was too mature or whatever, and where they could also get paid for their work properly and have more control. And I followed Nebula for a while. I like a lot of the YouTubers that are doing it. I've met multiple of them in person, actually. Oh, wow. And recently, one of them, uh, Wendover, I believe, released a video that's like a little documentary on the story of Nebula. Like I think he released it like two weeks ago maybe, and watching that just gave me so much hope and so much joy because they're doing it, they're succeeding, they managed it. And again, even if that platform fails, like that particular one, even if that group of creators fails, it's fine because they've proven that you can do it. You can have an alternative to YouTube. It's still video, it's high quality, it's owned by creators, it's controlled by them, it's what they want, and it's working it's profitable, it's growing, more people are showing up, more creators are coming on board, more content is getting uploaded. Like my husband and I pay for Nebula. We've paid for Nebula since the start, actually. And we've been watching it more and more because it's getting more and more like great and comparable to YouTube and some of the content there's better. It's working. There are so many ways of organizing together, like whether it's within a corporation or it's a non-corporate structure, whether it's a co-op, whether it's a nonprofit, whatever it is. There's so many ways of organizing even under the current economic system that do give us more power, that do let us do what we want to do. It's there. It, people are doing it. They're showing that it you works. You just
0: got to believe. Like we don't have
1: to imagine. <laughs> yeah.
0: But really, like that that's it. I I I'm a huge fan of Nebula and yeah, the fact that they, you know, just decided to get into this idea of, of being a video streaming service for independent creators. And it kind of came out of this, like, I mean, the, the company was called standard. I I think I watched that same documentary because they were talking about how like the company was called standard because it was supposed to be like completely under the radar. Like we just have these relationships between creators and sponsors and we kind of facilitate, you know, providing ways for creators to make an income beyond just, you know, YouTube ads or whatever. Uh, everything's under the radar, but, but by like being genuinely good people and developing these relationships with creators and then suddenly realizing like there might be an opportunity for more here. Um, yeah, just really inspiring. And, and actually I, you know, while I still watch things on YouTube, I ended up taking the YouTube app off my TV and just mm-hmm. having Nebula. Cause I realized like a lot of the stuff I watch is on Nebula now. So I'll just do that yeah. and support them uh and it's it's been really great
1: yeah i i honestly would love for more people to be aware of nebula because i think there's so much that the fediverse could learn from them like i feel like there could be dialogue back and forth i honestly don't understand how it hasn't happened because it feels like it's the same mission i think it's just the optics are a little different maybe the circles people are in are a little different but i see that the energy is the same the idea is the same the ethos is the same right Like People care about the same things. And I think even the fact that there are these disparate pockets of the internet that are moving in the same direction, like that's why I think the internet is changing. That's why I say I think it has reached a critical mass of people who are unhappy. I think there are big changes coming. I don't know what shape they'll take, but I do not believe that the internet in five years will look like the internet of five years ago. I just, I I don't believe that. I don't know.
0: I completely agree with you. Yeah. All right, Maria. Thank you so much yeah. for coming on to this podcast for the 100th yeah. episode. It's been great. Um, I just I, I'm very excited about your ideas and and bringing that perspective of uh, of being uh, a marketer uh, to all this stuff because you know I tend to come at things from the sort of software developer angle and and look at things you know kind of technically, um, but uh, as somebody who like everybody who's trying to market stuff, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to figure out like, yeah, is anything I'm doing going to amount <laughs> to anything here? Or am I, you know, shouting into the wind? And, you know, seeing so many of my own thoughts sort of echoed in, in stuff that you're writing and promoting in conversations there uh, has been really inspiring. And, and um, I'm just a big fan of your work. So everyone, thank please, you. please look in the show notes of links to all of Maria's stuff there. And sign up for Attention Deficit Marketing Disorder newsletter. Again, such a great name. And thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank you so much for having me. Honestly, again, it was an honor and it was a fun conversation. And I hope your listeners enjoyed because I do think a lot of us are thinking about the same topics right now, just from different angles. And I hope my little marketing perspective might be helpful to some as well.
0: Fabulous. All right, folks, uh, you can find me on the internet in the Fediverse at jaredwhite.indieweb.social. Also my website, jaredwhite.com, where you can uh, listen to past episodes of the podcast, sign up for my newsletter, Creator Class, and so much more. That's it for today's episode. And until next time, bye-bye, everybody.